0: Hi guys, just a quick note to apologize for the audio quality at the start of this podcast, particularly my audio quality. Uh, For some reason, my microphone uh, connection had come loose. I end up fixing it, as you'll probably notice, after about 10 minutes. So if you could just bear with the first eight minutes where it sounds like I'm broadcasting from outer space, that'd be much appreciated. Won't happen again. Please forgive me. and welcome to the Rolling Mall podcast, the Leicester Tigers fans podcast, here to tell you, officially, it is on! That's right, the top four chase is now well and truly on, we're well and truly in the mix, and yeah, Chris Edgerton's been whispering it very enthusiastically, saying, is top two back on? Not beyond the realms of possibility, we'll think about that later, that might be a bit optimistic. Uh, but I might, and as always, I'm joined by Elliot. Mr. Butlin, how you doing, mate? Um, tigers rescued a pretty otherwise a pr-
1: pretty crap weekend yeah i have to say on saturday night the weekend was in shatter. was just was in shattered it was in tatters it was all over the place and if it wasn't for tigers it would have been miserable because i'm a child just like you and i'd have uh, sulked all the way through monday and probably tuesday um if it hadn't gone our way to be fair yeah city were miserable um i went to the leicester game against chelsea that was fairly miserable um, then I thought England rugby that might cheer me up. No, they were even more miserable. <laughs> Something you know, it's bad when he, uh, when Leicester City somehow become like the best part of the day, and then um or Leicester City... I wouldn't go that far. Well, more put it this way, it was more Leicester City's fuck up wasn't the worst fuck up of the day. Um, so thankfully, um, Wiggy and the boys uh, rescued the uh, the weekend.
0: They did, but you and I are the same, and that you know we're both in our. 30s you're earlier that's very david brent like because i'm substantially later in my 30s than you are but i am still very much child that if tigers lose and particularly then if city lose as well and the two lesser sides lose i go into a full-on sulk for about 48 hours i don't check any of the sports websites don't read about it at all i have to pretend sport doesn't exist until i'm sort of able to face it again absolute man child when it comes to that sort of stuff um but yeah like you say they managed to rescue it at, at least with the england france game we'll come to it maybe in a few minutes with tiger watch you got to applaud some incredible rugby because you, when you're losing by that much you kind of stop caring if you see what i mean and you just started kind of going oh look at dupont it was like when the lions got battered in 2005 uh, by new zealand and he just had to sit back and just applaud dan carter it's the same thing kind of with some of the french play
1: yeah absolutely i mean some of the the, the french stuff was really was sublime and it. it In a way, it almost speaks, and we'll get into the England game, I'm sure, but it does make it easier to accept when um, you get hosed and you get hosed by a team that are just playing some really good stuff. I mean, it is like, you don't want it to be against yourselves, but sometimes it is just like a joy to watch good rugby. It's just annoying (laughs) that it came against England and England just turned into like a prime 2019 uh, Leicester Tigers, which is uh, not good for
0: anyone. (laughs) Yeah, which coincidentally when England were quite good so maybe there's a terrible terrible correlation there Uh, it used to be when Tigers were good England were good maybe that's somehow flipped um, over the last few years Um, well we've also got the Leicester City Leicester Tigers thing when City are crap
1: mm. Tigers are good when Tigers are crap City are good you know it's almost like neither team can be strong at the same time I don't I can't remember Mm. the last time both teams were successful in their own right um so clearly so, city are crap so yeah. tigers i actually think if city get relegated tigers going tigers, the league. tigers win league tigers win europe if
0: city get relegated surely
1: that's what happened last time
0: yeah it is isn't it that's right yeah that's it as the harry potter prophecy goes um neither can live while the other survives something along wow. those lines yeah i know just up to my cool points on the podcast they're pretty <laughs> good Form an orderly queue, ladies. Anyway, um, let's um, go and tell you what we've got coming up on this podcast, because we've got Martin Croson. And as we now get to say, our old friend, Martin Croson, former Leicester Mercury sports writer, joining us to help us pick through the win against Gloucester. We're also going to be talking about the ultimate Pro A 15. We'll be talking about fly halves. So lots to look forward to on this one. And then we'll be having probably a preview week next week, because Bristol is starting to look like an enormous game. It's heavy hit after heavy hit in the league. Uh, before we do that, though, I suppose you've got a couple of bits of news, haven't we? Just a couple. I mean, we actually got nominated for something. And oh, not, yeah. for shit ed- it's not for not shithead of the week. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Or oh, crap editing on pods. No, we, we've been shortlisted for an award. Da, 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 or whatever the music is. It is Oscar season. Well, the Oscars were last night. And this uh, is very much like the Oscars. It's the Sports Podcast Awards. Um if at the Oscars you had to pay postage and packaging for the for the trophy that you get at the end of it, then it is very similar. Um, so we've been nominated in the I think the best team podcast award haven't we? So the best sort of team specific one. Um, I did uh, it, that was actually kind of like a tactical thing. They did ask, do, do you want to be sort of entered into the judging for rugby or teams? And I said teams. Um, so effectively i because i thought that you don't want to be against the rugby pod or the bbc rugby podcast they're much bigger so i thought this, this would represent a better opportunity but we're actually against the formal england O two 2 rugby podcast and various other sort of official ones so if you want to stick it to the man or if you actually like listening to us um yeah please vote for us i suppose it's, just remember a vote for us is a vote for leicester yeah, it's a vote. Vote for the fans, exactly. And look, okay, we don't do this for the recognition or anything like that. We don't care about the trophy, but also we want the trophy. So yeah, please vote for us. what well, I tell you what, we'll um, we'll go and put up a a tweet with it when we publicize this podcast. So if you're up on Twitter, please have a look. If not, just uh, Google. If you're not on Twitter, Google uh, sports podcast awards. Uh, and you should be able to find your way from there. The awards you I think you've got to sign up for it and stuff, and they'll probably they'll probably mine your data for a few pounds. But you know, it's all good fun, all for a good cause. Uh, and I just wanted to give a big thank you, actually, to everyone who has sponsored me uh, in respect of my tough weather that I'm doing uh, in aid of the Forehead Foundation and most Neurodisease research. Uh, slightly, well, I say slightly embarrassingly, because I thought this was quite a high target. I set myself five hundred quid. smashed with that, more about five hundred and fifty. Um in particular, I want to go and give a big shout out to uh, Molly Draycott. I'm not going to embarrass her by saying how much she sponsored me for, but she's been absolutely fantastic in basically, I say being my biggest sponsor. So thank you very much, Molly, in case you're listening, Drake's as we've been calling you. I've actually been told that I need to start calling you Dusty because apparently she got nicknamed Dusty after Dusty Hair after she got 33 points the other week. It's so,
1: very apt, very apt.
0: Okay, so we're, we're agreeing Molly Draycott is now Dusty. Yeah, sold in. Okay, perfect. Well, anyway, thank you. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you to absolutely everyone who has done it. It's amazing. I'm, I'm going to probably amend the target there too. I'll tell you what, as you say, in for a penny, in for a pound. We'll amend it to a £1,000. You've not voted yet. And I know you've got, sorry, you've not sponsored me yet. And I know you've got deep pockets. Very deep pockets, Mr. Butler. You don't have kids. <laughs> That's why I'm happy. <laughs> very, very true. I'm actually just doing the tough money to get out of the house, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of being electrocuted and shredded by barbed wire is bliss. <laughs> um, anyway, but you're going to you go for... down the night before purely because you get a good night's sleep. Yeah, in the car, exactly, or in a puddle before I start. Yeah, all to look forward to. But anyway, yeah, if you can um donate at all, please do so. Uh, it is the pinned tweet and our bio so that would be much appreciated. Um anyway, if you do like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify. If you want to get in touch, our Twitter ha- uh, Twittle. our Twitter handle is at Rolling Wall Pod, and our email address is therollingwall at outlook.com. Before we crack on, a quick thank you to our sponsors, St. Martin's Coffee Roasters, who are helping us put this all together. St. Martin's Coffee Roasters are a small team of coffee professionals, proudly born and bred in Leicester. Family owned and operated, they've been dedicated to perfecting the art of coffee roasting for the past 10 years, solely focused on sourcing, roasting and supplying some of the world's best specialty coffee to the customers across Leicestershire and the UK. They're passionate Tigers fans. And St. Martin's have long-standing connections with the club and are proud to help caffeinate the players and staff in their efforts on and off the pitch. In an effort to help the fans wake up on match days, St. Martin's Coffee Roasters are offering 20% off all coffee when listeners use the code ROLLINGMALL, that's all one word, on their website. So visit stmartinscoffee.co.uk to stock up on locally roasted specialty coffee and use the code Ball, all one word, to save 20% off your next purchase. Just time for the beep, beep 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 news section only one bit of news really this week, or oh, two bits of news I suppose unfortunately the Les Tigers women's uh, fixture was uh, postponed against Barnsley, I think it was away up north um, no reason was actually given on the, the initial release, I don't know if they've updated it but I've got to assume that's because it would snow or whatever it is, it's quite close to the wall up there isn't it
1: yeah I think it was, um, I, think it was I think when it was called off on th- Friday there was a host of snow everywhere yeah. And it was just assumed that it was basically practical just to go, It's if it's cold on Friday, it's always cold up north. Uh, the pitch is never going to see sunlight again until April, May time. So mm. might as well call it off.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then even then when it melts, I suppose you've ended up with like probably a waterlogged pitch and shit like that. So yeah, that that's unfortunate. Um, so we'll wait to see when that gets rearranged. Um, slight bit of, I suppose, sad news coming out of the, the men's side, the player group, Sean Janssen, It's been announced will be leaving us at the end of the season and joining Connacht. Turns out he has an Irish grandmother or grandfather, so he's Irish qualified. Um, I think that they are on the lookout for uh, a powerful carrying number eight. So it's a move that really makes sense for him and and makes sense for Connacht, of course, as well. I'm gutted to see him go. He's not first choice, but he never let us down. And there's just a lot of raw potential there, isn't there? And, you know, wish him all the best. It's just... uh, Always frustrating when you see some talent that we've spotted and started to develop go. we haven't seen it fully blossom yet, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's it's a great move for Janssen because I think he's 23, 24 now. So he's at an age where he probably needs to be playing regularly. And on the performances that he's given for Tigers, he's at the point where he can be playing regularly. Um, I think he's up to the standards required. And I think Connacht are a, a really good club. You know, they're, they're a really good um, province out there. And he'll get a chance to play 20, 25 games a year for them. And it's a shame from our perspective, because he's for me, he's one of the players that consistently gone over the game line with every time he carries. You know, he sums up Moneyball quite nicely in terms of what he brings, in terms of flies on the radar, he's a bit out of nowhere signing, but comes in, does a job, and he's got a bit of raw potential to be moulded into something. Um, but I think really it's a good move for him. But I think it's also a real good endorsement for Amika Ileone, you know, in terms of where do we want to prioritise our resources and where do we want to prioritise that sort of game time too for second or third choice players in the back row, I think it's massive that that they're backing Amika and I think it's the right call. If that's the decision that ha- had to be made, I'd rather us back Ileone um of the two. And I, I think it's a, a real endorsement for Amika. So um so yeah, it's a it's a tough one though, because I did like Janssen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think Jansen definitely goes with our best wishes. Given everything when he's been on the pitch, been great to see his improvement. I love the aggression he's got. I think he's still got to work on his handling a little bit uh, if he's going to become that sort of all-round, all-court carrying number eight. But he's definitely got him in it. He's definitely got it in him. So we're looking forward to see how he develops that confidence. It's not against us. But let's uh, move on to, unfortunately, Tiger Watch, which was not altogether successful, I don't think. I mean, Tommy Rafael came off the bench, Wales did all right, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're going to have a look at England very quickly. I suppose the positive is I think the only guy to come out with his name firmly in credit is a Tigers player, and that was Freddie Stewart at fifteen. Yeah, absolutely. I, it,
1: the England game is actually almost um, easy to analyse because not many people had good games. You know, not many people can look in the mirror uh, on Sunday morning and and be satisfied for themselves. I'd say Stewart. Stewart was. Um, you started bet, doing it. You started doing it. You
0: started saying Freddie Stewart.
1: Oh, my bad. Freddie Stewart is the, uh, was the best player on the pitch for England. And there was a couple, I think, Chesham got into the Honourable Mentions Club, which of which there was not many, not many got in the Honourable Mentions Club.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it, it was a tricky one. I mean, just on Stewart, very quickly, I thought he was, again, he didn't actually have a lot of high ball to deal with, but he, he had, he dealt with pretty well. I thought he when he came into the line, he was making some big yards through contact, actually, which was really impressive to see. He was, I think I saw a stat said he's beaten more defenders than anyone else for England this Six Nations, which is a fantastic stat. And I love the fact of how he finished against um, France as well. His, his try picked a great line, spotted it, screamed for it, got the ball, and he um, hammered straight through Ramos, which was you know no hint of a sidestep, none required, and uh, which is really really good to see. Um, I've seen some ridiculous comments about his supposed lack of pace um particularly in relation to the first try that they scored i think ramos scores it doesn't it doesn't it? i think it's is it Intimac who goes through with a two on one and I think uh, so yeah yeah and stewart is on intramack and then he intramack passes to ramos and ramos who's at full tilt just goes in stewart tries to turn and get back to him and can't make it her people say oh it's just too slow but it's like hey hang on you've got a two on one where you've marking the ball carrier, a crisp pass, and a fullback, international fullback at full tilt. And you're expecting this player to from a standing start, turn, accelerate, catch up. I mean the fact that he even got close to him was remarkable. I just do not buy this th- fact that he is what you would call slow. I don't think he's necessarily quick. He's not um Arundel quick. But this is the problem with the darkest corners of English rugby twitter and the media is that they will find a young player they will build them up and then even if they're playing well they will find the one attribute of their game that perhaps is not as high as the rest of it it's still fine but it's not as high as the rest of their game and then we'll use that to pull them apart the the problem is people could say I'll put um, Arundel at fullback and then they'd be moaning that he wasn't any good under the high ball Like, what the fuck do you want? Like, the fact is, is that his other attributes more than make up for whatever shortcomings he may have in out and out pace, which, by the way, I think is massively overstated. I think he's got a big, long stride, which probably is deceiving a lot of people. Um, At the end, I think he did look slow when he was chasing Pinot, but I think, frankly, he was gassed because he was being pulled left, right, and centre across the backfield. Very, very lonely there um, by France's excellent kicking game. I think he was just completely shagged in the last sort of five minutes.
1: To me, I sometimes think we're too we I have this thought about Tigers fans. We're too busy to be critical of our own instead of just imploding um good play by the opposition. You know, it, it's a lovely bit of attacking play for that try. And it's just rewarded, it, you know. You just go, actually, know what? Fair play. It's really good stuff. You played really well and deserve a try. it's from your own good work. It's nothing to do with from from our um bad stuff. It's more Credit, credit where it's due with the with positive play that you've done you know I find some of the stuff aimed at Freddie Stewart is quite funny because they you know the last 12 months it's been that stat you've just mentioned about uh, defenders mentioned well the last 12 months it's been about yeah he's great under the high ball but he can't he doesn't he offers you know, doesn't, nothing be, in attack yeah he offers nothing in attack well he scored a load of tries now in a year and he's you know he's def- Beating defenders and he's getting breaking the line. He's doing all this good stuff. That he's joining the line and breaking the line. You know all the stuff over the last twelve months has been always been caveated by. Well, he's now um, well, he's now disproving it. So then you've got to find something else because they don't particularly like him. Okay, oh well, Yeo's yeah, just under the hype, but Yeo's yeah, not particularly quick. Well, I'm fucking right, fair enough.
0: What I quite like Maybe about his not- tries as well is that you know he's played against the USA, Tonga, Wales. Um, you know, and I'd be seriously, who have been quite quite bad teams. Um, particularly at the moment Wales and Italy. Um, Italy, sorry, I know everyone says they're playing great rugby, but they're zero from four and they were piss poor at the weekend. They'd be as disappointed as England, I think, yeah, to a degree. Um, but then um, his tries have come against uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, France. Um, he doesn't fuck about... He's not stat padding at all. He's no, not stat padding he, he, at all. He, he, yeah, exactly. He, he ain't got time for tries like ins. you know, like against against... He's, he's, playing, he's scoring tries against the top uh, nations in the world. So... You know, I think he's just going from strength to strength. Difficult day for JVP. I don't think he had a very good game. Um, I don't think he deserves the abuse. And actually, I will say for Smith, I don't think he had a good game. But I, I'm kind of reserving judgment on the halfbacks because of the absolute shit show of a platform that was presented to them by their pack. I thought the pack were absolutely abysmal in terms of how they were uh, clearing out. Um, in particular, the clear out was awful. It was like, I think Steve Paps got slightly tactically outdone by Galtier. France hadn't gone in on the breakdown hard at all, all tournament. Um, that you had a Southern Hemisphere referee who was a little bit more relaxed on the rolling away. So France were being very clever with just leaving guys, not obviously in the way, but just you know just taking their slight time, which got in the way. And because England were only under resourcing it, thinking, oh, we've got to play quickly. Therefore, I only want one or two guys in just to do a quick, snappy clear out and keep guys on their feet and attack. France just made hay. And that caught Steve out and the team, I don't think, was good enough to react to it, unfortunately. And I th- thought um, the, that was, along with some pretty crap defensive reads, especially by Henry Slade in the first quarter, um, I thought that was the key almost to everything, was just how they lost the game. Collision dominance all comes from speed of ball, uh, in my opinion, and and that's where France won it. They won it on the clear out. It comes down to that really unfussy, unsexy stuff, your ability to clear out and secure your, secure your own ball.
1: Yeah, bang on. I mean, your pack is your start and your end of where all your good stuff comes from in rugby. You know, if you you can have whatever backline you want, but if your pack aren't delivering for you, then you ain't going to go anywhere, as we found out to our cost at Tigers a few years ago. You know, just because some of the criticism on the halfbacks does make me laugh because without that pack, it's irrelevant. You know, and this is where the game is actually quite easy to sort of analyse because the forwards just didn't dominate. So you can have Anton Deck at halfback if you wanted. At least you get a fucking telly out of it. Doing fucking... <laughs> you, know what, do you
0: mean On a good day, you get, might get a laugh.
1: Yeah, you get a laugh and a telly out of it with Anton Deck and a bit of Friday Saturday night entertainment. You know, so you, until the packs start doing anything, having a pop at JVP and, and, and Marcus Smith or going, oh, we need to change both for halfbacks. Yeah, do whatever you want. But if until the pack gets firing and doing some good stuff, you ain't going to get anywhere
0: um, for yeah. Steve. So... so it, Mitchell, when he came on, was much better than JVP for 10 minutes. And then I thought actively worse than JVP for 20 because he just seemed to lose his head completely in this desire to play at like lunatic speed, um, ignoring any common sense. You know, tap and goes, intercepts, um, it, you know, the lot. But hey-ho, look, that's done and dusted. The guys, are, you know, it's a really difficult trip to Dublin. Um, you hope that's, you know, the, I, I think there will be a bounce back, to be fair, I was saying, oh, I'll keep it under 50, lads. I think there will be a bounce back. And i think that they will um i think steve will get and kev will get him up for it so i really hope that they do because you don't want to come back uh, guys coming back with too much damage good but you do want them coming back looking forward to coming back into the leicester tigers camp so um you know from a selfish point of view a respectable defeat is probably the best uh medicine that uh, we selfishly as tigers fans hope for. on to the main course we are going to be talking about cherry and whites pie uh which was the main serving on sunday at one o'clock as we managed to turn over gloucester at king's home absolutely critical win uh 26 points to five bonus point five points thank you very much would have taken that bit in your arm off and the rest of you uh, if you'd have offered me that before and to help us go through it because it's so delicious we are very lucky to be joined by martin crowson who we can now call the old friend of the pod since i think you're one of the first uh, Guess we had on, Martin, uh, former Lester Mercury, Tigers
2: writer. Um, it's great to see you again, mate. Yeah, and you too. both. Good evening to both of you and um, congratulations on your nomination um, as the podcast as well. It's brilliant news. Fair place to both of you. Good luck.
0: Well, thank you very much. Uh, just before we hit record, we were talking about um, uh, the USA and we were saying actually that... Uh, one thing I didn't mention to you was in our group, effectively for Best Team Pass, I think it was a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. You, as always, have a good anecdote about Philadelphia. And, and well, it was about trying to swindle business class travel. But um, did, uh, did, not a lot of Tigers fans would know this. Do you want to tell the Philadelphia tale very quickly?
2: Yeah, we were just talking about business class travel on aeroplanes and I've always fancied it, and, uh, never yet done it. Um, the time I got my closest to it was when um, Tigers were set to play a preseason friendly in Philadelphia of all places. We're going back many years now. Um, The American League was trying to set up and they set up this game which came out of the blue and was bizarre at the time where I think it was an all-star American team were being put together to showcase the upcoming league and invited Tigers over to play them in Philadelphia. Um, I think it was in August. So I saw my chance and um, emailed BA and said, would you like to sponsor my trip? And we can put BA in the paper and all over everything i write and surprisingly say they said yes and then they said they would put uh, put me up in business class as well so the tickets came through i was even online looking at the sort of menus i'd be getting on the plane sort of dream coming true going to spend five or six days in philadelphia to watch the tigers um and then all of a sudden it fell flat very quickly when leicester uh, realized the game wasn't being insured properly and that the american players weren't being insured for the game because they were an all-star team. And then all of a sudden, news came through from Tigers that the game was well and truly off, and that was that. And um, I asked my boss at the time if I could still go and do a travel feature, and that got a very <laughs> short one-word answer. And so I had to contact BA and say, thank you very much, but it's not on anymore. Can I still go? And they said no as well. Absolute, and that was that. And that's the closest gutting. I've ever got. Right. Oh, absolutely gutting. From oh.
1: Philadelphia to Gloucester, what a what what a segue we've got there! Yeah, we won't be doing Contrast. that ever
2: again, I doubt, Elliot. <laughs>
0: what what I would have liked actually, and what would have been, I think, great journalism would be a combine of the rugby feature and a travel feature. So it'd be sort of you going on a bar crawl, watching the All Star Game, and then tucking into like what's it, Philly cheesesteak? steak? That's what they're famous for oh, there. Oh yeah! It?
2: Oh yes!
0: Oh yeah! That oh no,
2: Mike,
0: that's it. I tell you what, I've just I, I'm copyrighting. So let's that. do that's, it! That, let's that, do that, it! Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, like sort of food, like is it across between Man V food, um, yeah. like rugby commentary and and a pub crawl. And we
2: just film it. Done. Yeah, and meet the locals as well. We could throw a bit of that in, see what they think of rugby. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's numerous there's numerous things we could do, Mike.
0: Excellent. Well, I just think the possibilities are endless for that. Excellent. Right. Well, I'll, I'll write it up. We'll commission it, probably not to the BBC, because I think we're far too opinionated to have jobs with the BBC at the moment. Maybe <laughs> may, may, maybe it's more of a Channel 4 thing. We'll see. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the Colossus game. Bizarre segue. There's no segue there. Elliot, mate, um, heck of a win. And it's ironic when he, we talked about before, we were umming and ahhing, saying, was it must win? Wasn't it must win? But as it stands, given the results at the weekend, they all went our way really last week. This week you had the surprise win for London Irish against Sale and they get a bonus point. It turns out it was must win this um, this weekend, really. And how important is the momentum we're building at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's massive. Um, I saw a few comments putting this forward for win of the season. And I think it's certainly got to be up there, you know, in terms of its importance and, you know, going to King's home and, and getting such a win um, is massive for us. And I think it's just nice it completes the last of this block, you know, it's been a good month for Tigers with four wins in a row. And I think it's a really nice way to finish off this block uh, of games that we've had, because we've gone from ninth and nowhere to up to third. Uh, And I think that's massive for us. And I think just the, you know, what has happened over the last few weeks in terms of sort of mindset and, you know, the mentality that Tigers have, have got themselves into that real dogs of war, taking it to the opposition. I think it's what's setting Leicester apart at the moment. And, you know, you go into the final three fixtures that are now at home, and Tigers still have got a lot of work to do, but they put, they've put themselves in such a good position from their work over the last four weeks. And it's driven by that mindset and that mentality, and it is taken them to places that, um, that opposition can't deal with, and it makes Tigers really dangerous
0: for the rest of the season. Martin, you obviously covered Tigers for a long time, and it, particularly, I'd say, post the dominant era, when we were top and we won everything, you know, four or five on the bounce. We were still obviously, we still were very successful, but often it would be through building up sort of like late runs of forms at the key end of um, the season, the key part of the season, which is obviously the end of it, uh, on the home, home straight. Does this sort of give you any vibes of like previous years when we've come along? Uh, I, I'm thinking maybe, was it Gloucester away when we ended up beating them in a, away in the semi-final?
2: Yeah, I think um, I do remember plenty of times where you used to think like... Um, as long as they were in the mix and they tended to be in the mix quite often, as soon as that spell starts where the players come back from Six Nations duty. And as long as there was genuinely good fitness in the squad, there's like, you know, three, four, maybe five games left. And you thought, here we go. Now it's, now it's the Tigers time to, to play like Tigers. And they did, they did seem to have a habit of timing that really, really well. I can't really remember many collapses from that, from being in a good position to actually bombing out of the playoffs. What I can remember is, you know, similarly akin to what's happened this season is, I don't know about you, but after that Saints defeat, I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a real battle to get in the top six now, let alone do anything more than that, especially with the sort of um, mood, sort of uh, a resigned mood amongst fans that, you know, Borthwick's gone and Sinfield's gone and how hard it is for the players to to, to regather and and go again. Um, So a massive, you know, huge amount of credit to Rich Wigglesworth and the the players for... um, seemingly getting themselves into a position of, of yesteryear when this sort of thing used to happen a lot of the time.
0: Kind of a champion's mentality, I think, is how I always used to think of it. I think the, vers- the one I can remember in particular was 2011, I seem to think. It was 2011-2012. Uh, because I think it was after the Rugby World Cup and we were so badly hit by the Rugby World Cup, I think Saracens came to Welford Road and put 50 on us, which was mm. pretty good. Yeah, I remember cool. that. And I seem to remember then kind of around the Six Nations, the guys who weren't playing started to really pull it together. And I think we put together a win of something like eight wins on the bounce. So to really take us into um, really good form coming into it. So I think, what, 2012? <laughs> Ironically, that would have ended in a loss at Twickenham then, I think. But either way, it was somewhere that, something that we weren't even near at the time. So that's just, I think, really, really excited if we can be able to pull that up so now what i'm going to do now is take us to one of our uh, listeners straight off the bat um it's sam hill who got in touch um with this message
1: Huge win yesterday, built on resolute defence, particularly in nullifying their role in Maul, and especially during Harry Potter's Simbin period in our own 22. Thought the momentum that came in the second half through Martin's bust through Geordie Reed, and marching into the 22 was palpable, and we turned the screw thereafter. So many inaccuracies from Gloucester, Particularly poor old Albert Tuasui knocking on a couple of times. There are enough Eeyore's that could have been made against Gloucester that would have rang out in a donkey sanctuary. I tell you what, they didn't help themselves at all. Um, Great to see Crowbar back. Echo with a turnover as soon as he came on, becoming a bit of a trademark after he did that against Irish.
0: Thank you very much, Sam. So I think one of the key points he talks about there again is as well as the importance of silencing the Eeyore's from the crowd. All the mistakes, particularly that second half, came from Gloucester. I think was it we, we were talking about England and going to the um, going to Cardiff and silencing the crowd at Gloucester. That is really really important because they can get on top of you very very quickly. They love it when you make mistakes, particularly unforced errors. But Eels come out, I fucking hate it. It really grinds my gears, which means as home fans, they're doing their job. And I thought that we def- took the fans out of the game pretty pretty well. The defence in the first half, again, I think Richard Wigglesworth said, not ideal that we're actually having to be, that we're putting ourselves in that position. I think, again, Potter with another yellow card, he seems to be collecting quite a few (laughs) of them at the moment. Um, But that's really setting us apart at the moment, the attitude of the players, particularly in defence, Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. It comes back to that sort of mindset
1: and without sounding like Brendan Rogers talking about uh, mentality monsters, but it is this sort of thing that, Leicester have got the moment but they've got themselves into that mindset of we are seasons on the line we cannot afford to let anyone cross the try line and it, it 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 gives the side so much energy because you saw you saw Gloucester deflate from it where we held Gloucester out for that five, 10 minutes and it was almost desperate defense you know it's pretty unbelievable some of the hits that were going in where it's just like on another day another team crumbles where Leicester actually stood firm and held up, took away Gloucester, and you could just see it. Um, you know, at half time, Tigers go in with. Whilst it's a <laughs> nil nil, it's a bit ridiculous. It was a very good nil nil, but the fact that Tigers had gone in, having held Gloucester out and went in with zero points conceded, you could see Gloucester go, went in deflated, and Leicester went in with their chest pumped out, going job done. You know, we, that's exactly what we're there to do. And I think, I think that sort of stuff is what's setting Leicester apart at the moment, and it's what's took them to these four wins in a row. And I think it's. You know, it comes back to the wider point of why we're so dangerous at the moment because we've got ourselves into that. Um, We can't afford to to drop any points mentality.
0: Martin, it's um, 0-0 at halftime. You covered a lot of games, not too many of them. And with uh, no score draws, even after 40 minutes, well, obviously never really after 80. But uh, it was was still a pretty good game. What what was your thoughts on why neither team
2: was able to get over the line or, or pick up any points in
0: that first half?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think something that Tigers have probably had a, a problem with for a large part of the season is those errors in the in the 22. The opposition's 22, <clears throat> not had not been as good as they traditionally are in, in that red zone. Um, whether that be a, a wrong decision or a knock on, or uh, lots of crossing penalties, I seem to remember from this season as well. Um, it's probably one of the, the main reasons. The um, the forwards was reasonable parity, wasn't? They're both on line out and the scrums. No real side could get an edge. Um, and also no side were taking kicks at goal, were they? The penalties were coming and everyone was going to the corner and trying to just open the scoring with a try. So were you surprised no cancel Because themselves out.
0: I, I thought that um, in recent weeks, particularly under Montoya's captaincy, there's been a bit of a shift from focusing on the corner to looking to take the three. Were you quite surprised that? I mean, I Gloucester could do what they want, obviously, but I was I was surprised they were ignoring very easy shots at three. But then I was yeah, more surprised. I was, I, I was even more surprised that
2: we were. I was as well, and, and maybe there's something in the back of their mind thinking this league's so tight, we need to try and get five points. But that's not really the mentality you adopt when it's nil nil, is it? You're sort of like <laughs> I'll, just I'll, take, get... I'll
0: take a three nil win at that. Point. <laughs>
2: yeah, just trying to get some points on the board. And that point Sam made in the audio there was, um, you know, that the ten minutes they held out when Potter was off, absolutely fantastic defending. Some of those hits being put in were absolutely brutal. And uh, to keep them out, you could just see, like Elliot says, the ones that were going off that, that Tigers went off. It looked like they were winning the game when they when they trotted off with their chests out because they think they they'd repelled Gloucester during uh, a very very crucial time.
0: Absolutely, I think that I'd like to give a quick shout out on that first half in particular to our two wingers who might not have had a lot of ball in attack. Um, I think perhaps one area that we didn't particularly succeed on well was exploiting the wider channels like we have done in recent weeks, but simmons and potter both had crucial interventions in defense potter made an intercept simmons i think there was um a a breakout from a scrum wasn't there it got kicked ahead and it was a foot race between simmons and johnny may not only does simmons actually hold johnny may off on the turn he starts accelerating away just to show how quick he is he then amazing strength and, and awareness of his position he actually gets underneath Johnny May and picks him up carries him a bit like remember that was it the Lions George North with Israel Folau actually yeah, sort of yeah. carries him back for a fair few metres and it gives guys like Porter Montosha <laughs> everywhere we'll come on to him in a minute time to get back loop around and um, and make that um, make that ruck I mean that that's the kind of I think Austin Healy also pinpointed the effort of Montoya coming out of a scrum and covering all the width of the pitch coming back and then hitting a counter ruck uh, when the ball had gone out to the opposite wing by Gloucester. That that effort, that extra effort that the side seemed to put in, I'm not saying they weren't putting it in before, but it seems all the more evident now, Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you talk about, I think we almost get,
1: we take it for granted a little bit with Leicester, especially over the last two or three years since Steve came in, in terms of that work rate and that energy and that sort of fight that Leicester show. And those examples you've given have been, you know, that doesn't come... Immediately that comes over time, but it's a culture that's been instilled into this group and it is now the norm. You know, and you then contrast how Tigers fought both in the defence and those work rate from the examples you've just provided with how England were on Saturday night. And it is very much chalk and cheese in terms of, you know, the two elements are very much at the opposite of of where they are in terms of development under Steve Borthwick. And, you know, I'd imagine actually Steve's review session today Probably doesn't consist of watching the France game back. It probably probably shows them the Tigers game. You know, you just go, look, right. That's what I want from you. That because I think you know, it's the norm for Leicester now. I almost get glib about it in terms of like, yeah, that's what we do because it is so normal for us. But actually, when you compare it to other teams and other scenarios, it's not normal what the work rate we do. It is absolutely fantastic that they bust a the gut every time to get the tackle, to make the ruck to to you know that Simmons example, one to hold off to get their ball before Johnny May, but actually. Very easy to go down in the tackle, very, you know, and just get tackled in that situation and give the ball away. But like Austin said, he just that fight to stay alive and just to drive through is really good stuff. And I think it is it's, it is great to see from from us.
0: And one of the changes that we had in the midfield, and again, I think helps exemplify that work, rate. Right? We had Guy Porter coming back into the midfield um, for Jimmy Gopith. Does change the way how we play, but geez, he was hitting hard in defence. He was looking dangerous with the ball in hand um he's had a bit of an unlucky time with injury has porter but it's a very nice time for him to be coming back martin particularly in a position where perhaps comparatively to the rest of the squad tigers don't have the most
2: tigers don't have as much depth yeah and i think they look a much more solid side with porter in there as well they look um he's a fantastic tackler isn't he and he's always got an ability with ball in hand sort of stay on his feet Art, longer than he really should have of hip like, kiss-esque hip kiss-esque yeah and i think uh if you're looking for stability and dependability, if you think that Porter's in the middle there and Mike Brown's behind him, it's not a bad position to go into the last few games of the season. And that's with Freddie Stewart getting back. Where's he going to play when he comes back?
0: <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? He's been England's best player the last two weeks. and we're, we're People are seriously saying, oh, where do we put him? <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is incredible. Um, that said, I, I do feel I should, want to just give a quick shout out to... Um, Guy's centre partner Matt Scott who I think has been quietly excellent over the last few weeks. Um, What I do particularly like about him and Guy in the midfield is that both of them actually offer breakdown threats as well and I think both of them got key turnovers during the game so one will chop tackle and the other gets in straight over the ball so uh, they've got a really good understanding and I think that's you know Dan Kelly obviously is still the first choice 12 and then it's up for Scotty and Guy to battle it out for um, for that 13 shirt but Until that point, I think that it's really good to have Guy coming back in at this stage of the season. Now, let's go and have a look at, let's go and have a listen rather, to one of our other listeners, Ben Whiteman, who got in touch with this message. Today, Wig really showed how to use the bench
1: effectively against Gloucester. When he put both Henderson and Martin on in a 1-0 really early on I thought he'd hit the panic button but you know what their physical edge and momentum was so necessary to give you know the impetus for our forwards to batter their pack on both sides of the ball conversely he left the experienced halfbacks on for the whole game and okay that's hard on Whiteley and Atkinson but it was so vital giving us that control to see the game out the props who came on added power and graft in the last 10 to 20 minutes after the starters had played themselves into the ground and then Ileone and Claire gave three or four minutes of all-out effort, including a huge turnover assist for Ileone. I think it was a masterclass from Wig in manipulating the fresh energy that the bench brought and tactical control of those he left on to bag the bonus point win from not at not not nailed rather at fifty-three minutes. Woof.
0: Woof indeed Ben and just to go <laughs> just to go and echo that just because we've had a couple of voice notes I want to try and share that for everybody I'm going to go and uh, put uh, on this other message from Simon Mepstead who makes a similar point but I think it when we look back at the game the use of the bench and, and Wiggy's awareness of this, the game is absolutely key
2: Hi guys um, a quick voice note from me Simon Mepstead I was uh, fortunate Enough to be at today's game at Kingshoe. Got invited down, did it in hospitality. What a great time I had. Uh, The game was really good, but the first half was interesting. It was as if no side wanted to lose, but nobody seemed that keen to win.
1: And then Wiggy made um, very
0: good substitutions. And instantly Martin and Henderson
2: just changed the game. The whole thing changed. And it was as if we were energised and really wanted to win. And we all know what the outcome was.
0: Thank you very much, Simon. But can you see the common theme that's coming in from that? A lot of love going to Wiggy. Nil-nil. 56 minutes, disallowed tries. We'll come to Tempest in a minute. <laughs> but no side is looking like they're going to be breaking a deadlock anytime soon. And usually you don't associate introductions of second rows as being pivotal To generating the attacking intent of a side but the introduction of George Martin and Cameron Henderson did just that and I just want to say I thought Snyman and and Wells had good games Wells was starting to get picked up by the ref a bit wasn't he was a bit over eager on the offside a few times maybe that played a little bit of a factor into it but obviously Martin and Henderson not fully training I think for a lot of the week probably also played a factor but their introduction was a complete sea change and I thought rather it being back and forth in terms of who was in charge of the game. We then exerted, I thought, near total dominance for that second half once they were introduced. Martin's first carry. Hurrah! Just an angry bull on the charge. Absolutely extraordinary. Um Elliot, we're a big fan of this Martin-Henderson combination. Gorgeous George and Cam. We need to come up with a a punchier pairing name for them. Have a think about that. Um how impressed are you with these two and how they've developed in such a short space of time As all of a sudden becoming a, a very difficult second row pairing to displace? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: no, I agree with uh, the points you've just made and the points that the guys made on the, the voice notes as well. I think in terms of Henderson and Martin, I think, you know, they're, they're looking to be international quality. You know, you look at the difference between solid club pros with Wells and snaiman who had good games in that 45, 50 minutes that they are on the pitch and they, they did a really good job for us. In terms of taking it to another level, the two that come off the bench, they just—they look like they could slot in at international rugby now and, and not look out of place. In terms of their physicality, their work rate, both in defence and their carrying, and I think that's what's—I think I like about George Martin at the moment—is we all know that his defensive work is fantastic, like he hits and he hits hard, but he's, he's adding his carrying work in, and I think now one of the things that Leicester have sort of got a little bit guilty to is just going oh, we've got Visa to do the carrying work. And after Genji had left, I thought we've been a bit light on the carriers and the options we've got. And then we lost Namani as well. And it's gone even, you know, you have even fewer options. But now you suddenly look at it, you go, Montoya's carrying really well. Martin, Henderson make yards with every carry that they're, they're making. Hanrose back carrying really well. Visa's carrying, um, as he always does. And suddenly you now have really good options. And now, as a scrum half, Lenny's got... Yeah, and Lenny and Pollard can actually pull the strings a lot easier because you've got people like Martin and Henderson who are just thundering through. And, it, it you know, you can see the opposition almost double marking Visa because they're so scared about um, the damage he can do. And it allows Martin and Henderson just to wreak havoc. And, and they've got good hands as well. He's, Henderson, I've seen a couple of times, is trying to get, is almost looking for an offload, but we're not quite up to speed and we don't have someone for him to pass to. And I think that is... You know, again, it just takes our game to another level to have that ability to one get over the gain line, but secondly have that other option to to release the ball onwards and link the player. So yeah, I think both of them are, are just sublime at the moment and deserving all the accolades they're getting.
0: Yeah, that first carry from Gorgeous George was um was so fucking violent. There's no other way to describe it. It's Geordie Reid as well. Geordie Reid's one of the hardest blokes of the Premiership, and he was just dispatched and left in a crumpled heap of shame on the floor. Absolutely astonishing work. He then did run the wrong way. I don't know if you yeah. can hear the thundering footsteps of Jasper on his <coughs> right. Maybe he automatically ran away from it, like I would, perhaps. But uh, Martin, just turning to Wiggy as a coach, it's it's quite ballsy to make that call You know, five minutes into the second half taking off both your second rows. Um, how much credit do you think um, Willie deserves for, for spotting that and making that?
2: Uh, a huge amount of credit. And I just think Leicester fans are so lucky to have someone like him at the club over the last couple of seasons, not only as a player and then as a coach as well on um, a more localised level with his, with the scrum halves. but And then to go into management the way he's done and to, to have the guts to make those sort of decisions. And I think that's the sort of character he is. He... Uh, he he backs himself and he's confident in what he does. And if he thinks something's going to work, he's he's going to do it. And, um, and that, that uh, rewarded him and the the club in spades with that second row substitution. And usually as well for like two second row substitutions to have such a massive effect on a game. We normally expect that from nines and tens uh, on a normal, a normal uh, basis, but no, amazing. And, um, I hope, I hope if less to do well this year, that, um, Rich Wigglesworth gets the credit he deserves because basically, you know, it's it's akin to sort of like, I don't know, Sunday League football team's manager and assistant manager just leaving mid-season and saying to the bloke that runs the line, come on, you have a go. And um, he's he's coming and um, hopefully he's, he's going in the right direction. And I've got a huge amount of respect for, for him. And I think, crucially, the players have got a huge amount of respect for him as well.
0: Absolutely. That's a really, really good point. Uh, mike Brown scores a first try classic fullback try pick and go from 1 meter out um he had offered a lot more beside that in fact he was absolutely flawless under the high ball m- beating the first tackle a classic mike brown um it's emerged over the course of the last week that or we, we've been reminded over the course of the last week that his contract is only to the end of the six nations so i mean arguably that that, that could be his last game for tigers surely surely we want to extend that
1: Elliot. yeah absolutely <laughs> if there's money there i mean clearly andrews can have to go raiding down the back of the sofa and just find whatever 50ps and 20ps we've got to put a deal together but i think just to give it if nothing else if they cut just to get it through to the end of the season that that's got to happen yeah and if they can do a deal for you know longer up until either the end of the world cup or yeah. until this time next year there's got to be something i'm pretty sure that could be put together and i think You look at Brownie and how he's responded to being at Tigers over the last six weeks. He looks like he's absolutely loving it. And I know, obviously, he's got that sort of like, anyone would have me. Thank God someone's took me on. I'd love it anyway. And there is a bit of gratitude, I'm sure. But I think he genuinely actually really enjoys the environment he finds himself in. I think we've said before, he is a perfect fit for what Leicester is about. You know, Brownie is a very angry man and angry men are well respected at Leicester. (laughs) Um, So I can see why he actually genuinely, I think, you see from his social media stuff. He looks like he's taken to the club and really enjoys the experience. So I think if there's something that can be done in terms of numbers, I'm sure there might be a couple of clubs who can probably put maybe a higher offer down in terms of monetary value. But in terms of the other stuff, just put so if we can get something down that's at least respectable for Brownie that can that matches you know what we can get and we can try and make it work. It's got to happen because he's been superb for us.
0: I don't think I can remember even with Ashton. I mean, I thought he gave a good account of himself first off in his game against Northampton because he, he made a try saving tackle, uh, hammered someone into touch. He then did get a yellow card, to be fair. But, you know, he, he had a really good season last season, not quite hit the heights, I don't think, this year. But I don't think I've seen someone go from pantomime villain to hero as quickly um, as Browning has. I think he's been absolutely magnificent. Um, and... My God, what an inspiration to blokes in their mid-30s because he looks absolutely ludicrous. Like, so the, he, he looks better than he did, I'd say, in his mid-20s. He's absolutely shredded
2: in fantastic shape. Um, so he's putting the rest of us to shame, unfortunately. Now, Can you um, believe we're sitting here singing the praises of Chris Ashton and Mike Brown?
0: Yeah, If you'd have told me this three years ago, <laughs> I'd have assumed that someone would suffered another head injury and I was on a different podcast. Yeah, or or we were naming what we we originally had Elliot's Cult Corner, and Ian was it Ian Morton who did a <laughs> who suggested when we started Cult Corner he goes why don't you change one letter of that and we can start selecting some of the more unpopular players <laughs> D- D- Dylan Hartley, Callum Clark, and then the other two he mentioned you can guess were Mike where? Brown and Chris Ashton. <laughs> bet you yeah. didn't think that
1: 10 years ago, Crow, when you were writing for the Mercury. I bet you didn't think you'd ever be uh, seeing, seeing the day where Ashton and Brownie are getting plaudits from the Welford Road crowd.
2: No, mental. And a fair, I mean, fair play to Mike Brown. He's one of those, you know, when you watch any sport and you always hate, you hate somebody for some reason, you think, yeah, I really hate him. The only reason I, I wouldn't hate him is if he actually played for my team. And Mike Brown is that person.
0: But he's so tigers. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, It's bizarre that he never really thought about it before because he's such... on the. He seems very nice off the pitch, but on the pitch, he's such a bastard. And yes. that's, that's exactly what we love. And I, I love it, particularly when backs have a little bit of spice about them because usually, you know, the forwards these days, there's no scraps or anything like that. It's one thing I really enjoyed about Freddie Stewart this season. There's been a little bit more of an angry snap to him and he's been getting involved in sort of like some of the nasty stuff. It, it just shows the fans that they care and i always like it when the commentators says oh we don't want to see this (laughs) yes we do we all do in particular (laughs) if uh, i saw someone else who's very safety conscious normally on rugby and their their theory was that each team should be allowed to have one scrap a game and then that's (laughs) it but in hockey don't they have that in america people just randomly take off their sort of like their helmets and just start smacking each other and everyone applauds it
2: well, they give each other a nod before the puck's drop, don't they? If they've got a bit of history, is look at each other, nod, and then the puck's drop, and they get their gloves off and get on with it. And then when someone goes down, the referees just jump on, and that's it. Both go to the Sydney for two minutes, and game carries on.
0: Crack on, that's brilliant, love it. No, yeah, in the current climate, I don't think that's really going to fly. But but there we go. We're going to talk about one sort of, like, I suppose, emerging great, despite the fact he's 37 years old, emerging icon of the club, to a guy who I think has already established himself as an icon of the club. Scored, I think, our second try, Julian Montagel for rolling ball, uh, managed to uh, shoot out, spot the cap, go forward. He was, yet again, absolutely astonishing. And I, I went on about him last week, Martin saying that um, he, I've not seen a front rower dominate in every facet of play like he does. He dominates mm. the set piece. He carries like with um, real power. He smashes people in defence at the breakdown. He is astonishing. And against Gloucester, it felt like every ruck he was nearly turning it over or actually turning it over, slowing the ball down, being a pest. And all the while, considering English is not his first language, he is constantly talking to the ref, constantly asking him. And maybe that's part of the reason that he's been given the captaincy because that comes so naturally to him. He is constantly in the ref's ear to a point where, because he's allowed to, because he's the captain, that the ref can't help but eventually be influenced by him. Now, I made this point last week, Martin, online. I said, uh, I was for a while thinking, you know, uh, that Montoya was one of the best hookers that I've seen, and now it's no question. I think he's the best hooker I've seen play for Tigers. I'm, I'm now putting him to the point that I think he is up there with one of the best players I've ever seen play for Tigers. Um, I think he's just utterly world class. Am
2: I am I going into the realms of hyperbole with that? Um, I don't think so, based on. It's, it's a big claim, Mike. It's a very big yeah, claim. Yeah, very big but claim. Judging by the evidence of what we all saw at the weekend, like you say, the mo- one of the most complete performances in every facet of the game you could ever imagine. And yeah. I know a line-out is not made solely by a hooker's throwing, but he's throwing a line-out is fantastic as well. He's absolutely wonderful. What a player and what an attitude as well. And he's got that sort of... It's like an almost like an assured psycho about him. Just got a... <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just like in the old days, like your Jono's sort of were that uh, that they've just got a look about them that yeah. you know under, you're not, you are not messing of, with.
0: Undercurrent of violence.
2: Yeah, but yeah, very, very violent undercurrent just below the surface, but you never see any of it because he's very, very, uh, he's very, very level and measured on the surface. And uh, but I loved his celebration as well when he scored that try, just chucking the ball into the crowd and snarling at them, staring, and then walking back to play. What a player, what a player. What's he got left on his contract, you know? They uh, they had it
1: extended at the start of the season. So I think it was a new deal. So you can imagine it's a couple of years or two right. or three years. So, so it's up to 2024, 2025, I'd have thought. So I would yeah. be making sure he is never allowed to leave the county unless it's on a Tigers bus because you just can't yeah. let him, you can't let him go because I don't know. I think, I think it's astonishing. I think it's brilliant how good he is. Um, I agree with that how you've explained that sort of assured psychopath it's that thing that Genji's got of like they're proper hard you know when you go into a pub and there's, someone's in there they go they're not even saying anything but like yeah you just look and go yeah they're a bit they, they're a bit tasty Julian's got that edge to him we just go yeah he's hard
2: he'll knock someone yeah. out mm-hmm. and the yeah. added benefit of players like that is as well I remember when I was uh, reporting on the club I remember some of the younger players saying to me about certain players then that you know if they tell you to do something and you don't do it You just get a stare and you don't want that stare very often. And I think, um, you know, people like Montoya would bring the best out of younger players within the squad as well, especially in the pack because of that. You just don't want to let players like that down.
0: Long live the emperor indeed. Um, Let's go and talk about, I suppose, the guy who it will be reported as that he replaces Captain Liebenberg. Um, Elliot, you and I have discussed before, we think that this seems uh, given hanro's performances and his demeanor which is still very positive um this feels more like a mutual decision um rather than hanro being stripped of it in some sort of unceremonious way but hanro i thought was absolutely cracking as well at the weekend you know this seems to have brought out some of the best of him he's he's doing everything that he was doing last season in spades you know those eight out of ten performances in terms of like his handling, his ball play, his defence, of some huge hits he was piling in with, um, and he's again leading by actions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought he's, um, you know, you talk about the last four weeks. Hanro's been a big part of that. You know, Hanro's took his game to top levels, and actually, you sort of see the core of that leadership group on the field where they may not be captains, but they're leaders in their own right, and you don't have to have a captain's armband to be a leader and hanro exemplifies that in terms of senior player and you, again martin talks about that glare that montoya has got you wouldn't want to let hanro down because hanro's put it like hanro's doing all the dirty stuff and you, if he asks you to do it you go well he's doing it so i'll do it and it's that sort of thing that takes again it just takes us to another level of of just our work rate and our intensity and our mindset and yeah i thought hanro's been brilliant yet again and i you know he deserves to applaud it again. Another one that deserves to applaud it for the last four weeks because he's been just bang on for us.
0: Uh, and Martin, you might have th- thought you were reporting on a game in a, circa 2013 when you were watching Ben Young's snipe go dart in from about 15 <laughs> metres out. I love it when he does that. He's still so good, I think, uh, at manipulating the fringes of a defence. and I, I, I wish he did it more. It always feels, the suspicion is always that it's been coached out of him for some unbelievable reason but i, I think bane Kay said you know when he when he bursts onto the scene this was his mo was attacking that yeah. fringe and when he does it now he i don't mind if he does it sporadically because when he does it he does it really well but i think that you know there's still inconsistencies to his game but i think that his leadership you could hear him talking a lot i think he's been integral as well to the way leicester have played over this um six nations period
2: yeah, and again, how lucky I was club to have someone like Ben Youngs around doing just what you've spoken about whilst uh, you know seven or eight players are away with the England squad, having there, uh, an assured person, reassuring all the youngsters and uh, still playing at a very high level. And I thought it was uh, really lovely to see Lenny's reaction to that try as well. If you're ever wondering whether these players are up for it in the last three or four weeks of the season, the reaction to that try told him that they absolutely were. He was you know, on his back screaming, with delight when he scored that try. And uh I mean a bit of a disappointing footballer's pile-on afterwards, let's admit it. It was very disappointing. Thank yeah, God yeah, Hanro- fact, you can't you thank-
0: can't you can't leave him
2: just lying <laughs> screaming on the floor by himself. <laughs> thank God Hanro didn't dive on as well. I thought he was going to go at one stage. I was like, don't, Hanro, just hold up, stay up, shake his hand. You know, and um he he bent down and I scrubbed him by the scruff of his neck, didn't he? And they were shouting, and it was yeah, it was a lovely moment. And um, yeah, fair play to Lenny, he still got it.
1: It's, it's a good, good job. It was Pollard doing it, giving him a hug, rather than Jasper going full blown into a clear-out situation. Uh, imagine if you imagine that injury trying to report that one. Lenny gets cleared out by Jasper in celebration and just injured for the rest of the season.
0: To be fair, I think Montoja like jumped in on the pylon as well. So you you know there's there's some weight going in on that, to be fair. <laughs> careful lads <laughs> um
2: perhaps he was screaming in anguish he misjudged it
0: <laughs> that's it you know I'm, I'm usually a big fan of the uh the non try celebration you know the score of a get up that maybe even toss the ball over the shoulder as if to say whatever next um but i do quite like the idea of hamro maybe just giving a curt nod and that's all the approval that you're going to get from him um yeah very, very good. um right so Benyon's fantastic. Jasper secures a bonus point with it. Mm, uh, was it a Oh, yes. Oh. I I'd be spitting feathers if I was a um, Gloucester fan. But Elliot and I have messaged about this. Ian Tempest, say what you want about him. Yes, he's incompetent, but he's at least consistently incompetent. Because I'll tell you what, I think there were... Both teams had one try that they shouldn't have been given. As being the Jasper one, I, I actually did think it was held up. But then again, he did see. say he saw the ball on the line. And then Gloucester had one, which from their try for me looked like a clear bit of crossing. I think Austin explained it really well on comms, saying Lenny's had his arm taken out. He can't hit a dominant tackle there or try and make a tackle as quickly as he would do. It doesn't matter if he did eventually make it. He didn't make it in the manner in which he wanted to. So it, it, by all accounts, it would be crossing. Um, yeah. And then there were, I think, some disallowed tries as well, weren't there? Hanrose, uh, they said, I don't know if they, maybe there's been some sort of notice given down to referees to change because because i up until sort of two years ago it just extended as long as you didn't move you know drive forward on your knees if you just extended your body and sort of reached out it was absolutely fine they seem to have clamped down on that. that's twice we've, we've been done for that and then i think also Gloucester had one chalked off uh, which was the held up one again which i actually thought looked like they'd got it down so tempest either way pretty consistent the mike brown trip though Crowy, we were a bit lucky
2: with that one. Very lucky. Yeah, very, very lucky. I'm amazed in this day and age that uh, Mike Brown got away with that. I'm amazed, literally amazed. And, uh, you know, at this stage of the season, like we're saying, Leicester start uh, doing Leicester things and maybe Leicester starting to get a bit of luck when uh, the time when it most needed as well.
0: Elliot, a little bit of luck went um, our way in this one
1: absolute bollocks because that that pass was there was two forward passes in the building for that which should be true so i have zero sympathy with gloucester with that one because they it, it should never have got that far because of the f- two forward passes so no sympathy for me gloucesters
0: <laughs> well look <laughs> let, let, let's go and extend the olive leech for friendship just at the end before we move on to the three word reviews though because i do want to say first i thought I thought Glossop, like they did make a lot of mistakes. Tuisui, you want to talk about the difference between the bench. Look, the positive um, introductions that Henderson and Martin and and actually Will Hurd and uh, everyone who came on had a really positive introduction, to be fair. Um, But then you compare to someone like Tuasui who who seemed to specialise in dropping the ball and then he pulled his hamstring, the poor bloke, had a bit of a nightmare when he came on. But then I I thought they did have some good players. I thought Ludlow was... exceptional for them i think thorley is still one of the most yeah. threatening players on the pitch thought he's fantastic but in the main i think we should offer appreciation to gloucester for the wonderful work they're doing for the uh for ed foundation uh and obviously putting on this game their, their kit looked fantastic thought designed by ed's um by ed's kids um which is a really really great uh memento for anyone to get here so i know a fair few tigers fans who bought it which is great to see and actually um it was fantastic to see ed and everyone come together at the end of it as well so um, well done, very well done to Gloucester. Proper rugby club as well um, and supporting the rugby family and Ed and his family as well. Elliot, just time for some three-word reviews.
1: What you got? First one for me was uh, Darren Bouch who put defence wins titles. Yeah, spot on. Um, last year our our title win in charge was built on a solid defence and we were hard to break down. You know, we've been a bit leaky this season but the last few weeks we've really rediscovered that sort of defensive edge. And that hard-to-beat mentality. So uh, it's good
0: to see that we've uh, rediscovered it at such a crucial time. Martin, defense wins titles. That's obviously taken throughout the NFL playbook. Is that what's going to fix the Bengals for next season? Get
2: them to take the extra step? No, there's nothing wrong with the defense next year. It's just the people that protect Joe Burrow. They're the ones that need upgrading.
0: I thought they were better actually this this year, but
2: they were better. They were just just coming up to average nearly average <laughs> just got to just be average just be average i hate That's you for, all i mean.
0: hate you for making me care about the bengals and then kind of like when when the little one wakes up at 1am i sort of put it to sleep so oh, i'll just check the score oh no i've I've watched the whole game <laughs> i love you for that mike yeah, terrible terrible uh anyway um enough about that um cousin of the sports i'm going to talk about chris dyson's tweet which said super subs break deadlock very good this felt, feels like a headline writer in your spare time there, Chris, really good stuff. But I think that's absolutely correct. Not only did the introduction of two second rows, who'd have thunk it, change the course of the game or change the momentum of the game, particularly George's carry, actually. And I think uh, that's what Sam Hill said in his voice note. But I think that the the, the continued introduction of players at the right time kept the pressure on Gosser and wouldn't allow them to get out of the half, particularly all the front row replacements did really well. Ilioni coming on and applying that pressure to the breakdown as well. So really good point there, Chris.
1: Uh last one for me was from Jausaboutza. Um to be fair, a couple of other people had a similar sort of theme. So uh no I'll I'll put, take on this one. But uh Montoya was imperious. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've we've mentioned Julian's um just ridiculous levels of form that he's taking his game to at the moment and I think that's bang on. Um, and was a key part of a victory and
0: a key part of the last four weeks absolutely and finally for me Andrew Salter excellent international window he says which is a really good point because apart from that Saints debacle let's call it that because it was a bit of a shit show at home unfortunately um what's it been four games in that international window. four wins four games four wins we don't need our England players Martin they're all going to struggle to get back in the side aren't they
2: Yes, absolutely. Especially Freddie Stewart. I'm really, <laughs> really worried about him. <laughs> they extend Mike Brown's deal. Uh, no, it, it's um, brilliant. Yeah. And, and you know, we've spoken about it earlier on in the show tonight, but that strength and depth that we've got. We spoke about um, Henderson um, and Martin coming on to change the game in the row. We've just spoken about the depth in the centres, uh, with Porter and Scott and Kelly to come back in. We speak about Brown replacing Stewart and, um, Always used, you know, the old adage that a strong bench makes a strong Tigers side. It's it's not just the bench these days; it's the players that aren't playing as well when they're back to full squad. It just goes to show um, that what a what a full squad they've put together there this year.
0: Absolutely, Martin. Thank you so much for your contribution for your time this evening. It's been wicked to have you on. Hopefully, we'll um, have you on again after we celebrate a second Tigers title
2: let's hope so a pleasure as always fellas good luck and keep up the good work
0: just time for us to visit the dark corner of the nightclub which is the pro era ultimate 15 uh we were talking nines last week elliot Yeah, absolutely. We've gone from the forwards to the back, So we've gone from uh, real ale to lager. Uh, To to (laughs) Lamborghini. Shandy. Lamborghini girls just want to have fun. I bet you were a Lamborghini boy at uh, university. I was whatever I could drink boy at university, to be honest. Mind sweeping was the way forward. Fair play, fair play. Uh, No, yeah, we uh, entered into the
1: world of the backs with uh, Scrum Half. Uh, Ben Youngs versus uh, Julian Dupuis. Um, two fantastic players. Um, I thought we were going to get... It was going to go, I thought, one way and the vote went how we thought it was going to go. Um, Lenny, runaway victor with 92% um, from 519 votes. Thank you, everyone, for getting involved with it. Look, I think it's one of those where we said last week, Dupree's a fantastic player, quality player, but there really could only be one winner in this game yeah. and
0: uh, Lenny was that man. I Again, and I think it might have been the tighter vote had it been Lenny against... Uh, harry ellis or someone like that to be honest so yeah yeah a uh, deserved winner and uh excellent choice in the number nine shirt. always nice to have a current player still playing there as well so uh let's move on to the fly half jersey who's going to be pulling the strings from number 10 and we've got two absolute tactical masterminds what's the plural of genius is it genii? i don't know well geni. yeah two, uh, two very clever blokes basically the opposite to what you've got here um who will be wearing the 10 jersey and pulling the strings on our ultimate um 15 and it's george ford against joel stratsky that's the winner of the import vote against the winner of the homegrown hero vote elliot what are your thoughts on this one
1: i'm going to um i personally think this probably should be a closer vote than it what it would entail i think ford will probably run away with this uh for several reasons and i don't think they're unjustified um I never had the pleasure of watching Joel Stransky play, but from everyone I speak to who was around for that era, they hold Stransky in one of the highest regards. So I'm a little bit disappointed I never got to see to compare. So I'm probably going to have to vote with with Fordy, purely because that's all. That, it, it would be remiss of me to vote on something I've not seen. Um, however, from what you read and hear and and all the, all the tales that you guys have, have said from, from it, Stransky was one hell of a player. And I think for those who. We're lucky enough to see both players in action i think
0: there will be um a little bit of thought a thinking that has to be done there's some um good clips from some of the old games and sort of uh, the sort of the late 90s where stratsky is playing uh which maybe we'll put up just so if people want to give themselves an educated view of what stratsky was all about we can put that up and then people can compare to Ford. because a lot of people won't have seen stratsky playing therefore understandably they're only going to vote for Ford because it's what they know so I do think it will end up being slightly one-sided. I've actually not decided which way I'm going to vote, though, because uh, like Ford uh, is fantastic, and I maintain, along with basically Dan Cole and Guy Thompson, he is the reason that we stayed up um, in that year, where, effectively, we just pipped Newcastle. Um, he's also, obviously, one of the key reasons that we uh, won the title last year, not in the final. <laughs> you know, he got himself injured, sadly, but... That lead-up, obviously, that semi-final, having had a nightmare first half, he then turned it on in the second half with an absolute masterclass. Who can forget the away win against um, against Northampton at Franklin's Gardens last oh. season as well, when he played two positions at once, scored a drop goal from 50 metres. Absolutely wonderful display. One of the all-time greats, I think, the Leicester Tigers 10 jersey. And I think that will probably be enough to sway my vote, but I cannot stress enough how some of my first memories of watching Tigers... With Joel Stransky putting the strings, and what a pleasure it was to watch him play. Just you think about Pollard now, how there's that natural authority and how he brings everything together. That's exactly what Stransky had. He wasn't particularly flash, a bit like Fordy. He wasn't like you know Marcus Smith dancing around or doing anything like that, but he he controlled the game so well and he was so intelligent and so accurate with everything he did. He was absolutely fantastic, and you know, he's a, he's a legend of the sport. He won the 1995 Rugby World Cup for South Africa. Uh, in South Africa with that drop goal in extra time. Uh, such an iconic moment. And he, you know, everyone th- talks about Francois Pienaar. It's, it's Stransky was the man who won it. He had his Johnny Wilkinson moment. So a real legend of the sport. We're lucky to have had play for us. So as always, we'll put up that vote uh, over the next week. And uh, yeah, then we'll be moving on to the 12 jersey. Or wait, hang on, the 12 jersey. We shall we move on to 11? Ah, let's, let, we'll get thinking about it. Pretend what we want to do. Yeah, I've got loads of time. Well, we'll, we'll think about it. So we'll either we'll move on to the centre so we'll, we'll go up in numbers instead. Anyway, you'll be voting for between George Ford and Joel Stratsky later on this week. That brings us to the end of this week's pod. We'll be back next week, hopefully, in the preview uh, with the Bears beyond the gate, guys, because me and Pete usually like to get up at some stupid time on a Sunday to record that, 7 a.m. I think it was last time, so we'll see if we could do something similar. Um, Very, very nervous about a game against Bristol. All of a sudden, they look completely unplayable. Then again, I did think that both Saints and then Quinn's were utterly crap against them.
1: Yeah, It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's also, it's also funny that we've got a hat trick of Southwest games in terms of we've done the Bath, we've played um Gloucester, and then we go into um Bristol and then we do Exeter. So we literally have to do a Southwest tour to get into the top four, um, for us. So it's um, we're gonna to have to get used to a lot of and all that sort of jazz, but yeah, tough game, but make we're sure we're well stocked with cider, horrible stuff, horrible stuff. So yeah, we'll have to um. <laughs> thinking
0: about how we're going to analyse Bristol next week. Excellent stuff, yep we'll also hopefully uh, have a special guest for you next week but uh, we're still working on that so no promises. Anyway if you like what you listen to please do leave us a rating on Apple it means a lot to us and in any event we will be back with you same time next week.